bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacy. Living Word with Pastor Mensah Otobi. And now, today's word. This is my final in the series Launch Out. It's a five-part series, and this is part number five of Launch Out. The subtitle is Following Jesus. Following Jesus. And in this part five, we're going to look at Peter following Jesus. As a matter of fact, this is the whole intention of the episode between Jesus and Peter. The reason why Jesus asked for his boat, the reason why he told him launch out into the deep for a catch, all of that is so that Peter will become a follower of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at how that happened in the passage. One of the things you'll notice about the Lord Jesus Christ is that he doesn't force us to worship him or to serve him. And when you read the Bible, the, the Gospels, you see that many times in the encounters that Jesus had with people, he led them gradually to discover him. He didn't force himself on people. He wanted people to know him and to love him for themselves. So let's go to our main text, Luke chapter 5 and verses 1 to 11. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sing. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch Men, And when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. We've looked at so much in this passage, and we've looked at it from different points, but this is the intention of the passage. This is what the passage is all about. This is where it's leading us to. Peter has just received a miracle from Jesus. So much fish. So much so that his net is breaking and the boat is threatening to sink. And with that came some response from Peter. And three things I want you to note from Peter. The first is revelation. Peter saw Jesus for who he is. He was astonished at the catch of fish and the miracle that had happened. 
So much has happened. And the Bible says he's astonished. And why is he astonished? And the passage tells us he's astonished because of the catch of fish. He's shocked. And why is he shocked? I am sure he's shocked because what he received that day was unusual. He had never seen such amount of fish in his life. All his life he's been fishing and he's not caught as many fish as he caught that day and that shocked him. So this is a major miracle in the life of Peter. And what did he do? He had a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew what Jesus Christ was. You know, many times we receive blessings from God and we are happy because of the blessings. We are excited because God has done something great for us. But we never pause to think, what does this miracle mean for me? And for Peter, that miracle opened his eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ. It didn't open his eyes to himself and to the fish, but to who Jesus is. So the question I want to ask you is, what does God's blessing mean to you? When God gives you a miracle, when a prayer is answered, what does this show you about God? There are those who see a miracle happen and they see their own importance. You know, sometimes when you hear people testify uh, or give testimony in church, there is no glory of God in their testimony. People talk about, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and God answered. And the tone of the testimony seems to focus on, I prayed, and I prayed, and I fasted, and I gave. But a miracle does not point to us. It points to God. It shows what God has done, not what we have done. We don't testify of our goodness. We testify of God's goodness. Every miracle must give us a revelation of who Jesus is. Your life, your testimony is not an amplification of your effort. It's an amplification of God's power, of God's grace. The Lord who is able to overcome all circumstances and do mighty things for us. So that's the first thing. Peter saw Jesus for who he is. Second, is reverence. Peter yielded himself to Jesus. The passage says he fell down at his feet. Literally, he fell down at his knees. He went on his knees and held the knees of Jesus. He yielded himself totally to the Lord. And that's what worship is all about. Worship is yielding to God. We sing, we dance, we raise hands when we worship. Ultimately, worship is not about just lifting up your hands and singing and dancing. Worshiping is about yielding to God. When we worship, we bow to him. We surrender to him. And that is why you cannot go into a place of worship and come back seeing your own importance. When we truly worship God, we surrender all we have to him. We yield everything to him. You cannot be in the presence of God and worship him and leave angry, upset. Because if you truly worship him, you would have surrendered everything to him. And that's what Peter is doing here. He recognizes who Jesus is. And he pays homage to the Lord Jesus Christ. He worships him. He yields to him. He made Jesus the center of his life. 
No longer fish and business, but Jesus is the center of Peter's life. The third thing we see, shockingly, is remorse. He became aware of his sinfulness. He said, I am a sinful man. I'm not worthy, Lord. It's amazing. And he says something very interesting. He says to the Lord Jesus Christ, get away from me. Move away from me. I am not worthy. Basically, I mean, Peter was not literally sacking Jesus. Where, where should he go there in the boat there in the sea? He should leave the boat and go where? That phrase simply means, Lord, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. A miracle makes him see Jesus for who he is, makes him bow before Jesus and reverence him. And now he feels unworthy. Because really when you encounter God, when you have a real encounter with God, that's how you feel. When you have a real encounter with God, you don't come feeling I'm the greatest of all. When you have an encounter with God, you come about always feeling I am nothing. But for the grace of God, but for the mercy of God, for the kindness of the Lord, I wouldn't be where I am. We have to learn that so that we don't see the work of God in our lives as making us worthy and great and awesome people. But when we encounter God, we should come up feeling, oh, wow, see what the Lord has done. I didn't deserve it and he's done it for me. And Peter said, Lord, get away from me. I'm not worthy. I'm not holy. And Peter is not the only one who has had such an experience. Isaiah had such an experience in Isaiah chapter 6 from verse 4 to 5. If you know the story, Isaiah had a vision of the Lord Jesus, of Lord God Almighty. And, and he saw the glory of God and the angels shouting holy and holy. And Isaiah comes out and, and the passage says, And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When you have this reverence for God. God has done something for you. It doesn't puff you up. It humbles you. The works of God humble us. Simon has seen Jesus work miracles. His own mother-in-law has been healed by Jesus. But when he saw all of that, something fell on him. You know, when, when he started his journey with Jesus, in verse 5 of Luke chapter 5, he called Jesus Master. But at this point, he calls him more than Master. He calls him Lord. When he called him Master, he trusted him to take care of his business. But we, when he called him Lord, he meant everything I have belongs to you. You know, it's one thing believing God for a miracle. And we do that. Many of us, we believe in God for a breakthrough. We go for prayer meetings and we go for meetings. And, and we, we, people use terms of we are bombarding heaven. And, and we do all kinds of things. And a miracle comes. And then after the miracle comes, we're so excited about it. We forgot the one we're talking to to give us a miracle. How many times do people experience the hand of God and still think of him after 
the miracle has been done. Most of the time, we get a miracle, we rush away from the presence of God, go on our merry way, live our own life, and then later when we're in trouble, we come back seeking God. But that's not what Peter is doing. He says, Lord, you are holy, you are worthy, I'm not even fit to be in your presence. And how did Jesus respond to Peter? He says to him, do not be afraid. I've always wondered, why did Jesus say to Peter, do not be afraid? Why did he tell them? You know, uh, when you read the Bible, you find that many times when people either came into the presence of God or an angel appeared to Peter or, or to somebody, the angel tells them, fear not or do not be afraid. Because the general notion then was, if you meet God or you seek God or you see him in any form, you are dead. So, if you have an encounter with God, you're going to die. So, Peter now believes he's had an encounter with God. He's scared. That's why he says, Lord, move away from me, move away. He thinks, I'm going to die. And Jesus says, fear not. Everybody say, fear not. Say it one more time, say, fear not. And the reason why he said, do not be afraid, was because he wanted Peter to know he would not die. Do not be afraid. And the lesson we learn there is that God's holiness does not keep him away from us. God's holiness does not keep him away from us. To be holy means to be separate, to be apart. And when we say that God is holy, it means that God is separate. But the fact that God is separate from us or he's unique and there is nothing beside him and there is nothing like him does not mean that he doesn't want us. As a matter of fact, God's holiness draws him to us. God's holiness draws him to us. That's why Jesus Christ came to die for us. And by the way, do you think that it was only when Peter recognized who Jesus was that Jesus also knew who he was. Jesus knew who he was all along. He knew he was holy. He knew he was the son of God. He knew he could do the miracles. He knew all of that. And yet what did he do? He went to Peter. Asked for his boat. Sat in his boat. Gave him instructions. All this time Jesus knew he was holy. And what does that teach us? God's holiness will not separate him from you. And that's why it's, it's sad sometimes when a Christian says, they feel, oh, I've sinned so terribly, I'm not going to go to church again. Well, when you sin, that's when you run to God. Because God's holiness does not suck us. God's holiness embraces us. He knows who we are. He knows our weaknesses. And he wants to help us to overcome those weaknesses. And God's holiness draws us to himself doesn't separate us from God. The final thing we're going to look at is what happens to Peter. He becomes a new person. There is a new Peter now. When he encountered Jesus Christ first, he's disappointed. He's a disappointed fisherman. Trolled all night long, caught nothing. But now there's a new Peter. The Peter, obviously, although he's a He's a fisherman. He's also a very religious man. Most Jews in those days were very religious. And, and he was religious. But not only that, he was actually seeking for the fulfillment of God's will for Israel. 
So he started by following John the Baptist. Interestingly, when he followed John the Baptist, he didn't leave everything to follow John the Baptist. He followed John the Baptist, he was still a fisherman. But followed John the Baptist because John was seen to be this great prophet and some people thought he was going to be the Messiah. But John kept telling his disciples, I'm not the Messiah. Peter was there, Andrew was there. And one day he points to Jesus and says, that's, that's the Messiah. So Peter starts following Jesus. He's following him around, watching him, trying to check him out. Is he really the guy? Is he the true prophet? Is he the Messiah? But now he's encountered Jesus in a very personal way. His mother-in-law has been healed by Jesus. Now he has caught a lot of fish. Now Jesus is in his boat. And he has this divine encounter with Jesus and it transforms him. He becomes a new man. And there are three ways of newness that we see in the life of Peter. The first thing we see is that he has a new purpose. His mission in life is redefined. Up until this time, fishing was all that mattered to Peter. He lived by the lake. He spent almost all his life on water. Most likely, his father was a fisherman. We know that he's a fisherman and his brother is a fisherman. It's a fishing family. If you ask Peter, what are you going to be? The only thing he can say is fisherman. Because, you know, in those days, you didn't change your profession much. If your father is a fisherman, you become a fisherman. Your child become a fisherman. And that's how it goes. It's not like these days that you don't follow your father's job. But those days, your father is a carpenter, you be a carpenter, your son is a carpenter. If your father a shepherd, you be a shepherd, and so on and so forth. That, that's how it went. You, people didn't change professions much. You stayed within the family enterprise or the family profession. Fish was their business. So if you ask Peter, what's your life about? You say fish. He can talk about fish. He knows all kinds of fish. He knows what catches fish, when, when you catch fish, when you don't catch fish. If you, he can give you a whole lecture on fish. That's all his life was about. But Jesus encountered Peter and he changed him. He changed his ministry. Jesus says, from now on, you will catch men. Other passages in the gospel says, I will make you a fisher of men. Jesus took Peter's mission to a new level. His passion for fish is now redefined. You know, many of us have passions in life. For Peter, it was fish. For some of you, it may be reading or writing or mathematics, accounting. For some people, it's fashion. For some people, it's cooking. Some people have a passion for football. I get amazed at how much passion people have for football. I get amazed. And the intelligence with which they talk about football, British football, they live in Ghana, but they know every player in the English Premier League. They know every player in the Spanish League. They know every player in the German League. They know, I mean, they sit in Ghana, they've never traveled anywhere before, but they're so passionate. They debate who is the GOAT. Is it Ronaldo? Is it Messi? And their whole heart is in it. And some will actually get very, very, very disturbed. If the team in London or England loses. Thank you for listening to Living Word. 
To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebele, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebele. Email otebele at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.